1: we are like an unclean thing and all our righteousness are like filthy rags, Jeremiah 17 9, he said the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, who can know it, the heart is wicked, you know don't tell me your heart is perfect heart is wicked you don't say our righteousness are filthy rags your righteousness, that's the best you can do, that you call righteous, the best you can do that's filthy rags
0: Jesus said that the greatest commandment was to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. When we fail to love our neighbor, we are sinning against God and our neighbor. Pastor Eddie will show us, our best attempts to fill the law will always fall short. It's not just hard to love, it's impossible. That's why we need God to live in us, so that His love can work through us. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 with today's edition of Running the Race. I want to run, I want to run, run, right to
1: your heart. I want to run, I want to run, wanna run, wanna run I'm running the race. Yeah, John chapter 16 verse 33 says, In this world you will, not maybe, you will have tribulation. You and I and every believer in Jesus Christ will suffer, have suffered, or are going to continue to suffer persecution one way or another because that is a fact. Satan is the prince of this world. He is real. He knows his time is short. He still has a bag of tricks up and he has tricks up his sleeve. He's out to deceive. Okay? But what do we have with us? We have Jesus Christ, right? Again, I'm going to give you this verse again. Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. In the midst of persecution, we have faith. We have faith that Jesus Christ sits on the throne. In the midst of persecution, we have faith that Christ is in control. We have faith that Christ will help us. We have faith that Christ will sustain us. Christ will keep us. We have faith that his word and his word alone tells us at the very end we win. Revelation? I got some amens here. That's okay. We win at the end, okay? Amen. Jesus, let me give you the entire verse of John, 6, John chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Okay? Here's Romans 8:28. <laughs> it says, and we know that all things, is it some of the things? No, all things work together for good for those who love the Lord to those who are called according to his purpose. Verse five, we're really flying, aren't we? Verse five, for this reason, when I could no longer endure it, he says it again, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. You know, behind every every persecution, listen. Behind every persecution, trials, and tribulation that the enemy brings to you, the next thing he's going to want to do is tempt you. He's going to distract you. He wants to tempt you. There was a story about Satan had a garage sale, and he had his all. He had a table, and on the table were all these sins: murder, adultery, lying, thief, pride, money. And they all were discount, 50% off. But there was one distraction that was valued over $2 million. And the man just scrolling by says, hey, Saint, um, uh, you still don't have lights in your house, do you? Huh? By the way, why all these uh, discount off, all these sins, you know, that we easily commit all the time? And why distraction? It's $2 million. Very simple. He said, if I could distract them, I could have them do the rest. And that's what he does. He distracts you. And he distracts you by temptation. Temptation. You've been shaken. That's what happens. When you're shaken, all of a sudden now you're distracted. You lost it. And now guess what? Here's temptation. You don't have the strength because you're shaken. Your faith is not in place. And this is what he's done. He's always done this from the beginning, Adam and Eve. The fruit, Right? It was good, good for the eyes, right? Pleasure and pride of life. Jesus was tempted and willing. He tried to tempt Jesus, right? Hey, Jesus, you know, good for food. Turn that stone into bread, right? Pride of life. All the same three things that Satan always uses to deceive people. The same three things he did with Eve in the garden. He did with try to do with Jesus. And First John tells us that the lust of flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, those three things. Will be done away with. And that's what Satan does. He tempts you with these things. But he continued to tempt the church. He continue to tempt. He can tempt you every day. Don't be deceived. And don't think for one minute he's going to, okay, I'll, I'll, get, I'll catch up with him later. No, he's going to try to tempt you every day. So listen, if your faith is weak, you will be shaken. And once you're shaken through persecution, and once he has shaken you, you can easily fall into temptation. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. he said, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Peter tells us to be careful. Now, singing again would always tempt you, and he's going to tempt you with something good, something very attractive. If, if you're tempted by cars, and he's not going to shake the key, so you go. He, he's going to shake the key of, a, you know, I don't know, Mercedes, Benz, whatever. Lakes. I'm not a car guy. But that's what he would do. He tempts you with something attractive. He tempts you to crave crave for physical pleasure, to crave for everything you see, and to be prideful in self-achievements and possessions. That's what he tempts you. Now listen, this is important, because many Christians are bummed out about this. It's very important to understand. It is not... Listen, it is not a sin to be tempted. It is not a sin. If you're tempted, that's not a sin. The sin is when you fall into temptation. Jesus was tempted. Jesus was tempted in every form, as a matter of fact. Yes, that thought you just had. What about this? Yes. The most wicked think jesus has been tempted it tells us that in hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 and he says but we do not have a high priest speaking of jesus the high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness he knows he was a man remember but was in all points tempted all points not some of the tempt not some temptation but all as we are but well, here it is yet without sin you know, but here it is, most of the times, we put ourselves in a situation where we can be tempted. Sometimes, most of the times. You know, because if you are an alcoholic, you have a problem with alcohol, you don't go to the bar and order, order a bologna sandwich. You don't. If you don't want to get stung by bees, you stay away from beehives, okay? If you have a problem with gambling, you don't go to Vegas. But not only that, it's not only where you go, but it's also who you associate with. Bad company. How often people have changed the way they act. They, they compromise. They're not Christian. They're only here singing to the choir. But when they're out there, whether it's their unsafe friends, unsafe families, you start compromising. And because of that association, it would cause you to tempt because you want to be, be friends. You want to be with your family, but it causes you to sin to compromise. You've been tempted. You've fallen into temptation, and there is the sin. It is, most of the time, is bad company. Now, you can't even use the phrase that some people would say, "Uh, the devil made me do it. Because the devil cannot make you do anything. You understand that? He cannot make you do anything. He could tempt you, but he can't make you. So here it is. He's tempting you. And it's up to you to decide. You have a free will. It's the same free will you had when you chose. You said, well, I'm going to accept Jesus Christ. God didn't force you to worship him. He didn't force you to accept him. You have that free will. When you come to Christ, that free will is still there. It's not annulled. And so the same way, Satan cannot make you do anything. Remember that. So Paul's concern about the tempter would come. The tempter is Satan himself. So verses 1 to 5, Paul concerned of their faith. Now verses 6 through 10, uh, Timothy gives the good news. Let's read uh, verses 6 and 7. He said, but now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love, and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren... In all our affliction and distress, we were comforted, concerned by your faith. In other words, it's not in vain. Paul is excited. Timothy came back say, listen, Paul, these guys, they're incredible. They're being persecuted and they're growing. And Paul says, taking Oi V, I I've only been with them for three weeks. And that's what happened. Yes, they have faith and they have love and they continue on. Nothing has shaked them. Nothing has disturbed them. They're continuing to, and they're being killed and, and persecuted, and they're growing. It's not, they're not being discouraged. That's incredible. Paul, you know, he said that my love, you know, he, he has love and affection for them. He still expresses it in his letter, his love for them. And this is exactly what John, the beloved, John, the disciple of Christ, the apostle, write in his epistle, uh, uh, 3 John, verse 4, there's only one chapter, he says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And Paul's excited to hear that his spiritual children, they're growing, they're walking in the truth. Here, John has the same thing. And this is one of the, the greatest joy I say for any pastor, and I could say that as a pastor. When you have poured into someone, you're ministering, you're, you're labor in prayer for them, and you see that they're continuing to walk in their faith, in, in their faith and continuing, growing, that, that's something that says, wow. And you know, can I tell you, that's, I'll tell you something personal, but that's one of my personal prayers most of the time. Say, Lord, we're going to cast out crowns. The fact that I'm going to be with you, that's all I care about. Can the reward be here and that reward to see the fruit of the ministry, to see people grow? If I could see that here, Lord, you don't have to worry about giving me a crown. Just to be in heaven with you is good enough. Conversely, it breaks the heart. When those that you went out of your way for, you minister over and over and you pray for, and they depart from the truth, they depart from the faith. It happens. It's a part of the ministry, and I understand that. But nonetheless, it affects a leader one way or another. But here, Paul is relieved. And verse 8 he says, for now we live. If we stand firm in the Lord. In other words, he's saying, man, this gave us life. This gave me life. Now we live to know that you guys are standing firm in the Lord. Now we live. Verse 9, it says, for what thanks can we render to God for you? For all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before God. It's a rhetorical question. He's just saying, wow, we cannot thank God enough because of the joy that you have brought to us. By your endurance in the trials. By your faith and love for one another. And that's one of the marks of a true church is faith and love. Faith and love. Verse 10, he said, night and day praying exceedingly that we may see your your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. Night and day, Paul, as you know, he's a man of prayer. And he prayed and he lifted them up and said, Lord, if there's any gaps, if there's any weaknesses in their walk, Lord, build them in that area. They all need, We all need building. We all need to grow. We all have areas in our life that needs improvement. Every single one of us. Here, Paul is saying this to a young church. And so now, that was verses 6 through 10, the good news from Timothy, verse 11 to 13, Paul's prayer. Verse 11 says, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. Back in chapter 2, verse 18, Paul said, what? Satan hindered their plans from going to Thessalonica, but he prayed and that the Lord will allow them to see each other once again. Verse 12, And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another, and to all, just as we do to you, just as I love you. This is similar. This is similar to what Jesus has said. One of the true marks of a good, healthy church is love. We serve the God of love. God, not God is love, that's pantheism. We're talking about the God of love. He's the one that created love. He's the one that has love. It is from him. He demonstrated that love through his son, Jesus Christ. It is love, agape love, unconditional love, just as Christ loved us. And this is what Jesus told us. He said in, in John chapter 13, verses 34 to 35, he says, a new commandment, not just giving another commandment, but it's a fresh commandment, right? A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. How much? As I loved you. Now, that's important. As I love you. If you have your Bible, mark the as I love you. How much do you love your brother and sister in Christ? Because we're family now. As Christ loved you. How much did Christ love you? He died on the cross. Can we say we have love? He said, no, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciple. This is how the world knows that, hey, these people that are made up of different races and they're always together and they never fight. It's such a crowd. And, and they eat, they have agape fellowship, the kids are running around. It's love. It's love. By this, all will know that you're my disciple if you have love for one another. You know, love is a commandment. Listen, love is a commandment. I know that some people are hard to love. Nonetheless, we're to love. Jesus said, love your enemies, right? So this is a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not to love only those that are in agreement with you, those you like. Love. Okay? First John chapter 4 verses 20 to 21. If someone says I love God, this is important, do you say you love God? Well here it is. And hates his brother, he is a liar. That's really aggressive. I was raised up and never coined it by a liar. Here, John, by the Holy Spirit. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, speaking of Jesus, that commandment we just read, that he who loves God must love his brother also. As one of the fruits of the Spirit, right? Galatians 5.22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love. And it goes on to give you the byproduct of that love, patience, love, right? Verse 12 and 13, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you. Verse 13, so that he, speaking of Jesus Christ, may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ with all his saints. So regardless of the persecution, regardless of the trials and tribulation, we're to increase in love and to, be, to stand strong and blameless and holy before God. Holy. He calls us to be holy. And this is an aspect I think that a lot of churches are lacking and individual Christians are lacking is holiness. The Lord said back in Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 11 verse 45, he said, for I am the Lord who brings you up out of Egypt The land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. Jesus said it, but he said, perfect. He says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, Jesus says, Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your father in heaven is perfect. Now you may say, Wow, that's that's really hard. That's a tall order to to fulfill, and that's really tough. No, it's not. It's not tough, it's not hard. It is impossible. It is impossible. It isn't possible because the scripture tells us in Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6, it says, But we are like an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. Jeremiah 17, 9. He said, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Or the heart is wicked. You know, don't tell me your heart is perfect. Heart is wicked. They don't say our righteousness are filthy rags. Your righteousness, that's the best you can do. That you call righteous, the best you can do. That's filthy rags. To be holy is to be perfect, and it's impossible. We can't be holy. We can't be perfect in it of ourselves. In it of ourselves, we can't be holy. We can't be perfect. But Jesus is speaking, and God is speaking positionally who we are. Holy means set aside, set apart. Positionally who you are in Christ and because of Christ you are holy We may look at each other and say wait a minute. I don't know about agape uh, Sunday, but um, I don't think we are lacking We're not perfect positionally, but the Bible says we're holy because he's holy. He's in our heart we're not righteous because of anything we've done. We put on what his righteousness and that's how God sees us. Because when God looks down at this dirty, dark world, what he sees, he only sees, well, he can see everybody. He's all-knowing. All, you know, VBS kids learned about this. But he, he sees all things. But the ones that stand out the most are those who accepted his son, Jesus Christ, where he sees the blood of his son on you, on me, and every person that accepted Jesus Christ as Lord, a personal savior. And I love the analogy. You know, if you were to take a diamond, I don't buy diamonds, but if you go to a jewelry, you take a diamond, what they do, in order to see the true colors of a diamond, you gotta put on a black piece of velvet, and then you see the lights and the rays, and wow, that's a diamond. And in the same way, when we look in the skies, we see the skies are dark, but what stands out? The stars. In the same way God sees this dark world, he sees his children who've been born again, saved as the blood of the Lamb, his son, Jesus Christ. And one day he's coming soon. He's speaking here at the end of the second coming. But this second coming that he's referring to is the second coming after the rapture of the church, after the great tribulation. Seven years of great tribulation. We're going to talk about this in the next couple of chapters. Seven years, great tribulation is taking place down here on earth. The church is having seven years of a wedding celebration, okay? And that's, if you understand the Jewish, and we'll talk about this more, the Jewish wedding is celebrated for seven days. There's seven years, the church is now the bride of Christ. Christ is coming for his bride. He's going to have this ceremony, this wedding in heaven for seven years, while there's seven years of great tribulation that's happening here on earth with the Antichrist, with demons and destruction. And then, after, when that's all done after the wedding... He's coming with his bride. And that's going to be you and I. And I'm going to read this for close. Revelation chapter 19, verse 11 and 14, it says, Now I saw in heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judged and makes war. They're speaking of Jesus. His eyes like a flame of fire, meaning everything he sees, he's going to judge. And his head was many crowns, many crowns, because he's king of kings, lord of lords. And his name is written, that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Remember, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, John 1.1. 1, 1. And the armies, here you are, that's you, and the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white, clean, followed him in white horses. If you've never ridden a horse, you're going to learn that day. Okay, I like what John Corson said. He says, this is uh, the bride of Christ in a wedding gown with combat boots because it's the truth. We're coming back with Jesus. That's the hope. That's the promise. We should be excited. We should be excited because our position in Christ and we should continue in the faith and not let anything shake you. Dude, you. Persecution, trials, and tribulation. I don't know what any of you are going through this morning or what you've been going through in the past or you see dark clouds up ahead. No matter what, Jesus sits on the throne. He is your Lord. He loves you. He cares for you. All things work together for good for those who love Jesus. Amen. Let us stand.
0: Pastor Eddie Pinero has been digging into the book of 1 Thessalonians with us here on Running the Race. There's much more to learn from this New Testament letter, but our time has come to an end for today. Before we go we'd like to invite you to visit our website to hear more messages from Pastor Eddie. Head over to runningtheraceradio.com. There, you'll also find a link to our podcast where you can subscribe to receive up-to-date messages each time they're available. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, why not come be a part of our weekly worship service? We gather each Sunday at 10 a.m. for Bible study, worship, and getting to know each other better. Find more information at runningtheraceradio.com. If you're in a place of blessing due to this radio ministry and you'd like to know how you could partner with us, we'd gladly accept your support. Here's Jessica to tell you more. Prayers for this ministry would be so appreciated. The opportunity for the loss to be reached over the radio is incredible. So please pray for our listening audience and that what share will alter people's lives forever. Another way you can support us is by prayerfully
1: considering giving in a financial way. There's a lot of time and effort that goes into producing this program, and we're grateful for all who are willing to come alongside us to support the creation of each program. If you feel led to do this, you can find a
0: Give tab at runningtheraceradio.com. We hope you'll join us again next time, right here on Running the Race.